Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. The only thing necessary for evil to prevail is that good men and women do nothing. I am simply a mouthpiece for good men and women around the world who want to make a difference. The engagement and the involvement of ordinary people is what is going to change our criminal justice system. Many have tried and failed. But the only difference between them and me is I'm bringing an army with me. This is Truth and Justice. and welcome back to this very special Friday follow-up episode of Truth and Justice. As you can hear with all the background noise, we are recording live from Cedar Hill, Texas. We were at the Buffalo Wild Wings. Uh, for those of you that don't realize, Truth and Justice at, at Serial Dynasty has a Periscope feed that's been live recording this whole thing. Prior to us recording, and you'll hear dropped in here in just a few minutes, we had a few special guests. Miss Allison Clayton of the Innocence Project of Texas was here. And she answered several questions before she had to run out to catch a flight. So the first segment you're going to hear is Allison answering questions from people that has been pre-recorded. I was wondering what your strategy is um, for the, the first steps. Will you be uh, seeking to get DNA testing of the, the evidence that is still out there? And how are you even going about finding out what evidence is still out there? Okay, so the first step is finding out all of the evidence that is out there. And I think we just about have everything nailed down as to what they still have and what they don't have. The second part of it is testing that evidence to find out if it can even still be tested, uh, if what the results are going to be, if they're going to be, you know, a lot of times they'll be inconclusive or not of much help. Um, and then after that, after we find out what all of the test results are, then what we have to do, then we can have, we have the ammunition to start filing the writs of habeas corpus to, to you know, ultimately ask for Ed's release. you want to do? Do you have to file any motions to get permission to do that testing or is it just an issue of being able to pay for doing that testing? A little bit of both. So there are things out there that I know right now that I want to have that can do regardless of Smith County. I can do that no matter what. I don't need their cooperation to do those things. That, that is 
of getting experts in on it to, to look at things, and that's an expensive process, but that's, that's what that is. Uh, then there's a lot of evidence out there that we can test, but that Smith County can oppose us in testing, and that we would have to fight, fight about whether or not we can even get those tests. And not necessarily Smith, but several counties in Texas are well known for opposing the motions. And you think, why would you even oppose a motion? Just do the DNA testing. But it's not that uncommon of an occurrence that they won't even want, want anything to be tested. So there could be a fight there. But Matt Bingham has told me that he's happy to cooperate with us in the testing of the evidence. And I think that he's a man of his word. So I'm hoping that whenever it gets to that point that there's not going to be any opposition to it because I think we all just want to find the truth. And I think I, I think I know what that, what that evidence is going to show, and I think it's going to show that I didn't have anything to do with it. Which evidence does the nail clippings fall in? Is that something that you have to fight Smith County on, or is that something that you can do without Smith County involvement? No, if I wanted to get the, uh, the nail clippings tested, that's going to have to be something that if... I'm going to have to file. Uh, if Smith County wants to oppose me on it, we would have to, to fight for it. So. Does anybody else have any questions for Allison before we let her leave? Over here. Real quick before I go over there, you two ladies, what was your name? Donna. Donna, and where are you from? Um, I'm from Dallas. Okay, and who and where are you? Renee from Mansfield. Renee from Mansfield. Thank you, guys. And then we're coming over here to, and who's this guy in the Truth and Justice, awesome looking t-shirt? Uh, Jeff. Jeff. Jeff from, you said you were from right Mansfield, uh-huh, right down the street. Well, as soon as Allison stops signing autographs over there. This is Jeff, Jeff, Allison. Basically, just want to break it down to, in your experience as a lawyer, what do you think are your chances of winning a release? Well, you, you, don't, you don't take bets on your own cases. But statistically speaking, Slim to none. The Texas Judiciary puts out uh, annual reports on what their reversal rates are, what their dismissal rates are, and everything from appeals to petitions for discretionary review to things like what we would be doing, which is like a writ for a habeas corpus. Last year, for fiscal year 2015, there were 0.0% of habeas corpus petitions granted. Now, that doesn't mean there weren't any petitions granted, because I actually had petitions granted in 2015. It just means that statistically it is so small that it doesn't even hit beyond 0.0%. So statistically speaking, I mean, you're talking about a long, long, long shot. That said, I think my case is pretty strong, um, and I'm, I wouldn't be spending the ridiculous amount of time that it's going to take, that it has taken, that it will take, fighting for something I didn't believe in, and I don't like fighting things that if, I don't, if I'm not pretty sure, I can win them. But statistically, it's a, it's a long shot. And it, the standards are so high that it's going to be a battle all the way through. It just is. There's a large group in here. What can we do to try and change the legal system to hold prosecutors accountable, to hold police accountable for the things that they do that are wrong, that make you know, a person like Ed sit in prison for something he didn't do when everybody can see the evidence that Bob is, is, is uncovered and such. It's, it's not right. And, you know. No, it's, it's not right. And, and, and trust me, like, I know you guys see it on this case. It is day in and day out for me. And, you know, the number of things I tell people who are coming to me complaining about it, I say, look at who you were voting into office. Look at your judges. Look at your district attorneys. Look at the state legislators and see what their policies are. Those tough-on-crime policies are usually 
bad for people who are, who are innocent because they can be pretty inclusive. Those prosecutors who want the conviction no matter what, who boast about their conviction rate, those are, that's not something to boast about. Like That's not something that they should be bragging about. Those judges who used to be district attorneys and who are just worried about they have that real fast docket, the real high turnover, they're not doing what needs to be done to really uncover the truth in a case. So the biggest thing you can do just as a citizen is to educate yourself about who you're voting for. Because people, I mean, in, in my own counties, in which I routinely do my practice, there's some judges that just year after you know, election cycle after election cycle get voted in and they're horrible. They're just like a second prosecutor on the bench and nobody understands how bad it is until their daughter or their son is the victim of, that, of those judges. And then they come to me crying and I say, I feel your pain. Like, I, I've known this for the past 10 years. But no one is educating themselves about who they're voting for. So that's, and then in specifically to Ed's case, um, we're, gonna, we're about to be having a lot of testing that we're gonna need to do. We're gonna need some experts, more than one expert likely. And that's very expensive to do. And we're a nonprofit organization. I'm not taking money on the case. Um, and so we might come to the Truth and Justice Army asking for money specifically for testing and for experts. Not not for me, not for us, but just for testing so that we can take that first step of, uh, of getting the evidence tested. So it's really uncomfortable for Allison to talk about money, but I'll say as, I guess, the kind of leader of the Truth and Justice Army, we talked about this in there. I mean, it could be $20,000 just to get the testing done for the case. And I made the promise to Allison today that if that's what needs to be done, we'll get it done. I made myself tear up. Cody, my question, I talked to you earlier, which is awesome, and something that really stuck out to me has, uh, was that you were talking about your heart and how you, how you do these things for free and kind of who you are as a person, and I think the listeners would love to hear just kind of about, about how, how you're able to kind of sacrifice your time and your heart as a person, who you are. Uh, Cody, like you're putting me on the spot on this one because like you're talking... Me talking about myself? You're, oh my goodness, you're so nice. I, Is he gonna make you cry? No, I don't cry. I don't. I, I don't cry. I, I, you do enough crying for I know for it's both of us. I'm a big baby. It's horrible. It's awkward. Um, so I was really, really blessed. Whenever I went through undergrad and through law school, to have a lot of scholarships, and uh, and I and I came out of law school and just all school without any kind of debt, and that really allowed me to focus on doing what I know, what I understand, what I'm passionate about. And you know, it's funny because I went into law school swearing three things. Like I didn't know, I knew I was going to be a lawyer, but I knew three things for sure. I knew I would never do criminal law. I knew I would never have my own practice and I knew I would never do family law. And I got, I got two of those just dead wrong because coming through law school, I, I developed a passion for, for people, but for the constitution. And it gets me so angry whenever I see innocent people, people I sincerely believe to be innocent, who are incarcerated. And usually the way that that happens is at some point in the line, sometimes at many points in the line, the Constitution has been violated and it angers me. It makes me so angry when that happens. So 
I, I battle day in and day out for people, but for our Constitution. And, and it's, it's my firm belief, like this is what I was born to do. You know, I'm not getting rich anytime soon, but I feel like I am as close to self-actualized of a person as a lawyer as you will ever find. But you know, you won't find me in a mansion anytime soon, and that's okay. I don't, I don't need a mansion, honestly. What good would it do me? I would just stay in my office all day working anyway. So I don't know if that answered your question, but that that is what it is. Just it's part of it. Thank you. Yeah, Cody. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I would love to do this all night, but I know you're going to miss your flight if you don't go. Yeah. But thank you so much for. It's good seeing you again today. Thank you for coming. <laughs> and the next time we'll do one of these, we'll do it when you can stay longer. Everybody, can everybody, Allison has to get on a plane and head home. She flew here just for one day. Can everybody give a big round of applause? <laughs> you better go call Kim goodbye. <laughs>
But I, I met and interviewed with, interviewed with her today, and she, did you get to meet her, Kim? I did, <laughs> <laughs> And that pretty lady you hear right there, that is the beautiful Miss Kim Miller, Edward Eight's wife. Can you say hi, Kim? Hi, thank you guys for coming. Ed was, gre uh, Kim was greeted with 50 hugs when she walked in the door today. 54, 55 people. 700 people are here tonight. Yeah, 754 is what you meant. So what we want to do now, and Mike, this is going to be an editing mess. Sorry, dude. This is going to be a fucking disaster. <laughs> uh, but we'll, we'll get it all plugged, plugged in together. Allison's questions will be in there. But for a few minutes, I want to, instead of taking phone calls and reading social media and listen to Mike awkwardly read tweets and emails. Douchebag. <laughs> We want to take questions and comments directly from you and the audience here today. So if anybody has something you would like to ask or tell me, I got put your hand up, Cody. I saw it. I saw it. That's because I almost fell on you earlier, and I had to say, sorry, Cody, <laughs> I almost fell on you. So this is Cody, and Cody, where are you from? I'm from Dallas. Cody's right here from Dallas, and what's your question, Cody? Uh, actually, I had, like, four questions. Four questions. I was very prepared, uh -huh. but uh, I chose uh, a top one or two, maybe. Okay. Um, but my question is, uh, Leonard Mosley in his interview to you, I was kind of waiting for this to come up in the podcast, and it hasn't come up yet, but uh, he actually said she had to have been uh, murdered on Wednesday. I think he said it twice. Right. Uh, a few seconds after that, he mentioned that um, he knew that there was food on the stove. Obviously, you can't cook when you're dead. So uh, I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that because that, to me, stood out as, as a big lie, you know? Right. Um, if he's claiming she was killed uh, on Wednesday and then right after saying he knows that she was alive on Thursday, I feel like that's definite deception. Right. Um, so that's question one, hopefully. Uh, well, I'll, I'll give these guys. I have a short memory. All right. Okay. <laughs> okay, so re regarding that, um, I did notice it, but it was, it's kind of – I really have to go back and review the whole thing because I analyzed the interview, the statement. I mean, I had I had uh, Excel spreadsheets and I had experts listen, looking at it to try to determine where the signs of deception were, and I think that was on the list. But my overall take on the whole interview was the whole thing was full of shit. And so at some point it was like I just, I just kind of moved on past that. But there was a good point. I said, no, 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 it had to be Wednesday. It had to be Wednesday. It had to be Wednesday. And then you're right. And then he said, oh, yeah, yeah. It was. And I never got whether he was kind of remembering and correcting that. But there's, there's so many things that conflict in that story uh, that that's definitely one of them. But like I said, we, we also know that he knew what the cause of death was, and he, and he lied about that. So good question, Cody. Thank you for that. If we run out, we'll come back to you for the rest of your seven or eight questions. What else do we have? Nice lady back here in the red flannel. What is your name? I'm Kristen from Mansfield. Kristen from where? Mansfield. Kristen from Mansfield. You've told me that twice already today. All right, Kristen, what's your question? So my question is, of the new evidence that you posted recently, what of that can you actually use? And what is, because you're releasing it to everybody, so what can you actually use? What can you use to move forward to really show that he's innocent in the courts? Well, it, it just depends on where things go. At some point, Allison is going to be filing a claim of actual innocence. And, and the listeners would have heard earlier her answering the, kind of the questions about the process. So I won't re we'll go through all that again. But basically, she's going to have to file for testing. And, and the testing is not, Ed's not, case is not as simple as just some DNA, right? So we're testing the DNA, but it's not like that's our, the entirety of our case. So we have a massive actual innocence case here that includes the evidence that he, I mean, there, we have 
due process violations for, for false testimony given to convict him. We have what looks like police misconduct with the evidence that we just found. We also have, you know, we have experts that can look at like the car, for example, and determine that it's impossible for to him have driven that car. So all, the answer, the, the easy answer is all of those, of that evidence will be used right. Now the judge might throw out this or throw out that, but we're going to pile on a motion with, with 80 points on it. Then all of it will be used for sure. Okay, that was a great question. Huh? Periscope has a question. This is Chris Brinkley from right here in Dallas, Fort Worth. Where are you from? Doesn't matter. It's all the same to me. Right. <laughs> so who's the question from on Periscope? I didn't catch your name. I'm sorry, but uh, they did ask, have you had a chance to talk to anyone in Elnora's family? I have not spoken to anyone in Elnora's family. I have been in communication with, with a very close family member, uh, and we've had a lot of back and forth, and we... We're talking about arranging a meeting, and and uh, as of right now, that hasn't happened. She said it's just she she's open, she's kind, and and she's she's not ups. I can't say she's not upset, but um, she's not mad at me for what we're doing. But she just said it, it's so many old wounds, and and the, the last thing she told me was, if they got it wrong, she asked me to please give Elnora her voice back, and if they got it right, then she has a spirit of forgiveness and God bless. Is what she told me in her, our last message. Thanks, Chris. And then uh, right here, it's my man Jeff. He's a stalker. He follows me around every time I'm in the state of Texas. I've met him several times. How you doing, Jeff? I'm doing great, Bob. How are you? What do you got? All right. Well, first and foremost, I just want to thank you guys for everything you do. Uh, you know, we're... Uh, it's mostly me. Mike does nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we all know that. We all know that. <laughs> well, my question is kind of procedural. So... You know, I think that we can all agree this is a pretty novel way of conducting an investigation. It's obviously an investigation that's conducted in a very public way. Right. Um, what are the safeguards that you use to kind of maintain the integrity of the investigation and make sure that, um, you know, potentially any trials that might happen in the future, the integrity of that of those trials would be would be uh, saved. Sure. Okay, so for starters, anything we report on as part of the process is verified, vetted, vetted, researched over and over again. You know, so we so we don't we don't we don't broadcast anything on the podcast as fact unless we know it to be fact, and therefore, and it's all from everything we're reporting on is public record. They're all public documents that people could have access to, uh, and as far as you know, the effect on trial, there what we're doing, like you said, is very different. Uh, nobody's ever done anything like this before in the way we are. You know, Undisclosed has a little bit, uh, or not, not a little bit, just in a little bit different way than we do. So, you know, in a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of things that get run by Allison. So there, there's some things that we know that you haven't heard about on the podcast, you know, and we don't talk strategy on, on the podcast. And so, and so there's things that we hold back. But, you know, a lot of what we're doing and a lot of what all of you are doing and helping is controlling the court of public opinion. You know, there's, I had a... Very, very important and interesting meeting that we'll talk about next week, yesterday, that never would have happened if it weren't for the fact that there were hundreds of thousands of people watching and participating in this case. So, I mean, even that, every little thing that all of you are doing is making a difference in the trial, hopefully for a positive outcome when we get down to it. So, I, I guess uh, to kind of follow up on that would be, um, you know, as you start as you start narrowing down on a group of suspects 
you know, will say, I, I imagine that you would expect some, some possible reaction from these people. Uh, you know, how do you kind of gauge what that reaction might be and, and um, plan for that? Well, there's no, there's no real way to gauge it. I mean, I mean we, we, we prepare for the worst and hope for the best all the time. I'm always careful about, you know, because first of all, there's like legal liability people are worried about, right? So, you know, you're going out and saying these things, but if they sue you for slander or for libel or defamation of character, and the issue is, and I have lawyers that helped me with that before, I'm like, can I say this? And they're like, no, 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 not like that. You can say it like this, uh, you, you know, to try to protect myself that way. Truth is a defense to any defamation, slander, or libel suit. And so my, my, my best defense is, I don't say anything on the podcast unless I know it to be true. You know, and if I say that, you know, in my opinion, this person is a good suspect, you can't really prove that I don't actually have that opinion. You see what I mean? Yeah. You know, so we're careful about those things. But as far as their reaction, as far, you're talking about as far as personal safety or anything like that, you know, we, of course, we take precautions in every way, but we're traveling even at home. Uh, and just, like I said, we prepare for the worst and hope for the best. And so far, everything's been fine. These are the kids that are too cool for school. Uh, they've moved all the way here to the back. <laughs> uh, and I know this guy. I've met him a couple of times. This is actually a good friend of mine here from right from the Dallas area, uh, John Hayes and Crystal. So what do you got, John? So my question is to deal. Okay, there we go. My question is to deal with motive. So it's a two-part question. So first of all, um, and we we're just listening to the latest episode coming down, and, and all these episodes, I still really haven't heard unless I missed it. A motive for Ed. Like, what did the prosecution use as their, you know, flimsy motive for Ed? Did they even give one? So they really didn't. Uh, they kind of alluded to robbery. They said, if you read the trial transcript, you'll see Jason Waller and Dale Huckel as they're asking them about uh, Elnor's finances. Well, you never found that wallet, did you? No, you never found her purse, right? You have no way of knowing how much cash she had, did you? No, we have no idea. Did anybody use her checkbook? Oh, we don't know. Which was a, that actually bold faced lie. Bald faced. Bold faced. What do we just what do we decide on? You like bold faced. Okay, and you prefer I'm a, I'm a bald faced. You're a bald faced guy. <laughs> All right. Uh, right, right. So so they kind of alluded to it could have been a robbery gone bad. And and they alluded to they couldn't allude to it being a rape because they couldn't prove rape. Right, so they couldn't they couldn't prove they, they couldn't even allude to that that it was sexually oriented. Uh, I, I've heard uh, from like Leonard Mosley, maybe he rejected her and he got mad and killed her. But, but the, the closest thing they came to a, as a motive at trial was that it was money related. But as what we know now is we have Elnora's bank records and we know that at maximum she had ten dollars in her purse, and her checks were never used, her credit cards were never used, nothing like that. Second half of the question is. If we're listing motive, if we're listing suspects by motive, between Leonard and Angela, Leonard seemed pretty happy with the situation. I mean, it wasn't perfect, but he seemed to be juggling pretty well. Angela seems like it's the old rule of if all else fails, the simplest is the answer, the spurned person. Right. Right? So it seems like the simplest logical means would be Angela got jealous I mean, you've heard this a million times at this point, but Angela got jealous. Something happened over there. He was there for, for whatever reason, too, right, and, and, and somehow got involved. And, and, I mean, does that seem like the most logical out of the two? I don't, I don't see him initiating it. Yeah, 
I, I would agree with that. You know, when we're looking at those two, but you know, really taking the uh, you know the, the names out of it, and just looking at the victimology in general. You know, so what you're talking about is looking at each suspect by motive. You know, looking at that from the reverse side is victimology. Where were her risk factors? That's exactly right. You you, you look you look at where were her risk factors. She was in the middle of a love triangle. There's there's no denying that. Uh, and so within the love triangle, is it the guy that is jumping between the two? And these are just risk factors. This isn't you know proof of guilt. The, the guy that was that was going in between the two, or is it the the other corner of the triangle that's being dissed that particular night? Because do people still say dissed? Mike, your thoughts. Do people still say dissed? Is that all right? Dist is okay. She's been dissed. Was it used in 1993? I think that's when it started, really. Right. But so, but then we look at at the nature of the crime itself, and you and you develop in and I know the, the hot word for people is profile, but, but for me, the looking at the criminal behavior of the of the the crime scene and and the attack. No, no, not even looking at male female. But looking at behavior, right? So motive, victimology, and the type of injury we have. So let's let's say instead of saying Leonard and Angela, person one, person two in the love triangle, right? So you have the guy that has the two girlfriends, and one of his girlfriends ends up dead. What would be that that person's motive? And not just this case, any any situation like that. So so you you got Crystal and and you got Mike on the side, right? And so. Right, right. If you're going to take out Mike or Crystal, <laughs> sorry, Mike. <laughs> Mike's always Mike. You know how many? I hope you have a very good point to make. <laughs> I do, I do. I'm going to bring it home. I'm going to bring it home. Uh, <laughs> but so if you, if you were going to take out one or the other, what would be your reason? You're, you're hiding a relationship with these two people. If you wanted to take one of them out, what would be the reason that, a, that, that the man in the middle would want to do that? Right. Okay. Uh, well, if they find if they found out about each other and threatened to break that fun balance that he thought he had. Okay. Right. So to silence. Okay. Similar situation that we were talking about with um, uh, the James Mayfield, uh, Linda Joe Edwards, Carrie Max Cook case. But in this one, so right, if the man in the middle is wanting to eliminate one of his his partners. That, that he's with, the purpose and the motivation is going to be to silence, right? So what you would expect to see in a crime scene like that is probably a plotted, plan, organized crime scene with body concealment, right? So you don't want the other person to know that she just got brutally beaten up and like it would be, you know, you know, the body dumped or hidden somewhere or something like that, or you know, similar to like the Heyman Lee case, you know, as sad as that was that. The idea is for the person to show up missing and nobody knows, or to make it look like an accident. It's typically what you see there as far as behaviorally speaking. Now, put yourself in the other shoes. So now, that's how you would get rid of Mike. But now, what if the situation is Crystal realizes that you're seeing Mike? What? I'm making a great point. Are you listening? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be Right, so... Assuming, but you'd be surprised how often that doesn't happen. Uh, really, when you're, when you're looking at a lot of these crimes. I feel like when you see documentaries on crimes about that, they always go to the other person when, I mean, I'm thinking, this dude right here needs to get it. Like, he's the one that made the choice, but it's always 
they go after the other woman. They're still in love. Well, and, and that's it. and a lot of times that's because, and, and to say always is not true, and, there, and there's no empirical data with this, but but from the mindset, a lot of times when you're, so if you're the asshole that's screwing Crystal and Mike. <laughs> it, it doesn't get any easier the more times you say it. That's why you got to drink the beer. Drink the beer. <laughs> right, right. Um, uh, but, but if you're the, the guy that's doing and leading him to believe that you're in love with him and leading her to believe that you're in love with her, Okay, what you are is is, a, is an abusive person, right? Okay, you 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 probably have some controlling and stalking type issues with with both Crystal and Mike, and so that and that's why a lot of the times what you see is 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 the person will lash out at. So when Crystal finds out about Mike, she will rather than lash out at you, you have influenced her so much by the controlling behavior that it must be his fault. Sure. Yeah. At least it appears that way for sure. But so that's what happens a lot of time is is it's his fault, not your fault. So then we look at the crime scene again. So so a person that is angry because this person is taking away emotion driven, disorganized, uh, overkill, brutal. And so then we look at at this. Go back to this crime scene and look at Elnora. I mean. Her face was bruised. She's bleeding all, all over her face. She's got cuts on her arm, scratches on her back, bloody lip, bloody eye, a few other cuts, and then the, and the, the throat slash. It was a brutal, nasty, disorganized beating. So if, and that's a big if, if we're talking about a love triangle situation, I think you're exactly right that the, the, the instigator of that is more likely to be the other woman than the man in the middle. But... When you, if, you, if you throw in the, a possibility of the fact that maybe the man was there with, maybe, maybe you're, you're in bed with Mike and Crystal walks in on the situation and now all three of you are in the same room at the same time and all hell's going to break loose. Shit's getting real, Mike. And the last point to make... Like with the last episode I was listening to, I can't remember which part, but you said you said it would make sense for Leonard. It would make sense for Leonard. Sure, sure, sure. Go ahead. You're going to stop, stop talking here. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Time out. Time out. Everybody, can I get your attention, please? We have one more special guest. Edward Eight's daughter. This is the beautiful Kyra Eight.
Can you say hi real quick to the podcast people? Hi. Hi. Can I hear me? <laughs> What's that? Can I hear me? Uh, this is getting recorded. We'll be on the podcast on Friday. You're going to hear yourself. Okay. Hey. Anything you want to say to all the listeners? Uh, thank y'all for y'all's support. Uh, love y'all. <laughs> now, Kyra needs 51 hugs. <laughs> All right, why Kyra's getting her 51 hugs. What was your last point? <laughs> sure, sure. So my last point was, like, with the listening to the last episode, you said something about, you know, it would make sense for Leonard to do this. My gut reaction is these aren't always Harvard grads you're dealing with. So where does it come into play when you're thinking about logically what would make sense versus so, some of these people doing this don't always use logic or don't always think the way you think? I wish I could remember the last episode. But even in this instance, like, Victimology, or, or if, where you say it would make more sense if it were the male for it to be more precise and thought out. What if it just weren't? What, what if he were just as emotional and just, like, where does, in, in general, like a general question, when you're analyzing that kind of stuff, where does it play into your mind of how much am I going to go by what makes sense to me logically, and how much am I going to go by to where somebody may just not be using logic? That's actually a really good question, and Mike and I had this exact same conversation today uh, working on, a, on another case. All right, so in, the, in this particular case, we're trying to determine, is it possible that a body was dumped? That where they think that body was killed is not where, where, where they were actually killed. And I was breaking it down, like, what are your reasons for why you would move a body? If you randomly kill somebody, why would you want to move it? Okay, so think about it logically, and so we're talking logically, right? I, well, yeah, yeah. Would the if the if the body or the crime occurred in a place that can be directly tied to me, I killed somebody in my living room. I don't want the body found in my living room, so I'm going to get it away from my living room. But you know, obviously, I don't want I don't want the body in my living room, so I'm going to move it, right? Uh, and then we talk about body concealment, which is a whole nother step. You know, it's it's a huge risk, like Jim Clemente talk told us, to to put a body in your vehicle and move it. I mean, any, that risk is, is enormous, and you're not going to take it. You're not going to take it for very long unless there's a good reason to move it. And so then I was talking about where the body was dumped, and it was like it, it was a place where at a glance, this is broad daylight out in the middle of the open. No one would ever dump a body here. But then we put ourselves in the mindset and said, okay, now let's, let's drive. Drive from here to here. Imagine you're the criminal, and you have a dead body in your trunk that you want to get the hell out of your trunk as soon as possible, and if you're driving down here, where is the first place you find where there's actually cover where no one can see you, even though it may look like you're out in the open? In this particular case, we stopped, and it was like, holy shit. It seems like you're out in the open, but there's big privacy fence along these houses here, and there's woods there, and there's that there. You're actually, you could take 30 seconds and, and throw chuck a body out of your car here and nobody would ever see it. And so Mike asked the exact same question you asked. He said, yeah, but you're talking about what you would do logically and they're not, if someone's in that situation, they're panicking, they're not logically. But, but the answer to it is, is what we're trying to do is logically consider what the panicking person would do. Right? So we're, we're looking at it from a perspective of logic, but I'm not, because a logical person didn't kill her to begin with. You know, the logical person didn't, you know, would never even... Lots of things would be different. So, so for me, and again, you know, I'm not an expert in this, and, and, and I fully acknowledge that profiling is, is, is more of an art than a science, and it's, but, it's, but it's a good investigative tool that I think is very, very useful. So for me, what I'm trying to do when I'm, when I'm speaking logically about the decisions that were made, what I'm trying to do is, is put myself in the mind of the panicked individual 
that just say killed someone in their house and they're like oh shit when they find her dead i'm going to jail like it's she's in my living room i'm going to jail what am i going to do first thought i got to get her out of here as quickly as possible and then it's like where am i going to dump her are you going to you know with with a bloody body in your trunk are you going to drive 50 miles across town and and find the best place that's no you're going to get her away from you and as soon as you find a spot that looks good get her out and get the hell out of there and that may not in this particular case may not be the case but but so but but the the process is the same so we're looking we're we're logically at a time when we're when our in a sound mind and body trying to consider logically what an illogical person would do in a circumstance does that answer your question clear as mud right no 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 yeah Yeah. it's it's, there's a movie sully you should watch because at the end they, they go into that with that, it's the Tom Hanks. With it's the, actually where I got that whole bit, that uh, new movie Sully. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but they do computer. They do computer imaging. They do computer imaging of of the crash, and they and they say, well, you could have made it to an airport in time. But he's like, you're doing computer imaging of 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 one a computer, and two, your test pilots already know what's going to happen. You're not doing it based on the panic we were feeling. So that makes total sense. Well, those are some very awesome questions, John and Crystal. Thank you for coming. Uh, I'd like to thank Mike for playing along and being the, the other woman in their relationship. Okay, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Home, right. Okay, so we'll see if we got – all right, we got time for one or two more questions. This lady right – everybody's pointing at you. Everybody's – you just got here. You have a notebook. I'm out. I'm, I've been at three beers. I'm done. No, no notebooks. Anybody without a notebook? Have a question. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. What's your name? I'm uh, Lauren. Are you sure? <laughs> Lauren, where are you from? Capel. What? Capel. Capel. I don't know what that means. Forty-five minutes from here. Well, thank you for making the drive. I'm Bob, by the way. Nice to meet you. This is Mike. He's, he'll stand behind you, really creepy, holding those things. Okay. So, what do you got for us? So today, I was listening to the podcast, re-listening to some. And one thing I noticed that you focused on heavily was the towel that was placed on the window to cover the door. You were confused at where it came from and why. I think one of the reasons that kind of maybe points to a woman being there is it's pink. The curtain was pink. So men don't usually think, like, ooh, the curtain was pink, so I'm going to put a pink towel up. So they went into the crime scene. They walked through it to go get the towel in order to put it up. So that was one of the things that I wanted to mention. Okay. What else you got? Um, everything points to a sexual encounter that was starting to happen that was interrupted. I agree. So that means there's more than one person there. I also agree. Is Angela, is Angela left-handed? I do not know. Is Ed left-handed? Absolutely not. That's very telling. By the way... I got, to, I got to go interview Ed in the prison, and I got the guard to do me a little favor, and for the first time yesterday, I actually got to shake Ed's hand. It was the, like, literally when I were passing the microphone back, this little window, I'm like, well, is it, would it be way too much to ask for me to shake the man's hand? And the guard is like, we're both, like, looking like little kids, like, come on. And she said, okay. So she opened the little door and let us stick her hand through and shake his hand. It was awesome. It made me think of it because his fingers wrapped around my hand four times. His hands are about that big. <laughs> really good. They're really, really good. Is his family still visiting? 
His family is right here right now. Did you realize that? Right there in the blue is Kim. And then right there is Kyra. So when you're not talking to me, you should go over there. I promise them lots and lots of hugs. So you're going to have to go make good on that. Yeah. And so I guess basically that's, I was going to ask you one question. Is you, do you still believe that the phone pulled off the wall was premeditation? I, you have to define premeditation. I don't think that someone sat and, you think of premeditation as, you know what, I'm going to go to that trailer and I'm going to kill El Nor tonight. And I got a plan. First thing first, first thing, I'm going to need some, I'm going to need the smoke, a lot of smoke bombs, the good ones, and I'm going to pull the, the, you know, it wasn't like that. Like, I, I think that the person came in with, with violence in mind, maybe not killing, and something triggered them, and at some point either, I, I honestly, so th I, I've got this theory about the pillow, right, and you guys answered me this. And I think it leads a lot more towards a two-person theory. So we now know the pillow was indeed under her when she went down. We have blood patterns around it. Why is there a pillow in the middle of her living room floor, and how does she exactly land on it? Exactly right. Has anybody, you don't have to answer this, but I'd love it if you would. Have any of you ever been interrupted when you're nude and ran out of a room? Anyone? Anyone? Show of hands? Right. So when that happens, what do you usually do? Grab something to cover yourself. So all of a sudden it occurred to me, what if she's grabbing that towel and using it to cover herself while she's running away? And then also we have a lack of blood spatter into the kitchen, right? We have just a little bit. Never understood that. We don't have a good blood spatter pattern because it was like brownish red carpet. We have no indication that they use a black light or anything like that to find, because you'd look for shadowing, they call it, things like that, right? And so what if she's running away from person one, holding the towel, person two from the kitchen, who has the phone, runs into person two there, and then person one gets her, gets her from behind? I think it's a possibility. But those are really good questions. But think about that, that I think that that, that pillow could have been her trying to cover herself. All right, we got time for one more. If anybody has, there it is. All right. All right, you're the last one because my sinuses are about done. I couldn't, I couldn't hear what other people were asking, so I don't know if this question's already been asked. I'll be happy to let you know. About the food on the stove? Has not been asked. I kept thinking if Leonard was there, is normal she was expecting him she had the food there Thursday night normal routine why wasn't the food touched did he come in was it just a quickie thing or was his routine knocked out was it changed somehow I mean he gets off late you would think a man's gonna want to eat the food first she obviously had it warming for him that just struck me as odd touched. So I have some interesting thoughts on that that I've just developed over the last couple of days. So you, you heard in Waller's report that he said the plate that was in the sink had remnants of that meal on it. And the spoon had remnants of that meal on it. So we don't know that it was untouched. Okay, so it looks like someone ate. But we've assumed all this time is because, because remember, Leonard wasn't there. He never showed up. So that had to be Elnora's Right, but think about this, and, I, and we're gonna we're gonna close with this answer to this question. 
A single woman who lives alone, who is described by everyone she knows as being neat as a pin, eats her dinner at 6 o'clock in the evening and is expecting company six hours later. And she has one plate and one knife and one fork from her dinner. Does she leave it sitting in the dirty dishwasher for six hours until her company shows up? On the autopsy, I read it showed that she had partially undigested food. So she could have already eaten. She did eat it, and I've had experts look at that that said it looks like she probably ate four to six hours before, probably. So that's the question. So if she wouldn't leave one dish just sitting in dirty dish, one dish sitting in dirty dishwater for six hours, then where does the dish, dish come from? What does make more sense behaviorally that... Say your boyfriend stops over, eats his meal, and it's late, and you're ready for bed to go do whatever. Then, to me, it makes sense to take that plate and throw it in the dishwater and go do whatever you're going to do. Right. So, personally, I personally believe, and this is just my thoughts and beliefs based on what we've seen here, I believe that Leonard showed up and ate that meal before anything else happened. Whether or not he was there when she was killed or anything else that, I'm not going to get into that. But I am very confident that Leonard showed up on that crime scene, showed up at that trailer, and ate his meal before anything else happened. Real quick on you know nobody's gonna hear any of this because that was my mic drop right there and uh <laughs> we're gonna drop the music in and it's gonna be like bam <laughs> no go ahead no i don't have to do the mic oh, okay i just want to get it out there that in his interview with tim the investigator i went back and I, I read the transcripts and i listened to it it was very hard to listen to it, but i listened to it he made comments like well it's not like you're trying to get him off he said that, and then he said odd things. Like, to so someone who was engaged, he said some really weird, bizarre things. Like, when it's their time, it's their time. We can't control death. It was just, yes, it was just really weird. Let me just point that this out. And, uh, and, we, and, and by the way, Mike, when you're editing this, for sure that was my mic drop a few minutes ago. Right, this is all bullshit. All, uh, <laughs> but imagine your... Your fiance was brutally murdered, and you say her number came up. It's nuts. Well, th- thank you for that. I gotta, I gotta go in the corner and do our, our closing credits because Mike has to edit this on the airplane tomorrow, so it's ready for you guys on Friday morning. Uh, we'll, you, we'll do it right here. Do you guys, do you guys want to do the closing with me? See how, see how well you listen. Okay. Well, for right now. After reporting to you live from Dallas, Texas, for the first ever live recording of the Friday follow-up, I'm Bob Ruff. And I'm Mike Bussing. Wait, that's not even how we close it. <laughs> oh, no, no, this not is, let's, let's uh, re- reboot this a little. Well, no, because we had the big mic drop, right, on this one. Right, so maybe no close. No close, we just go right into the credits, right? So they do the credits with us. Right. This is gold, this is gold. Podcast right, gold. this is podcast gold, okay, so. 
Okay, wait, listen to this, ready? Truth and Justice is a production of New Beginning Incorporated. Our executive producer is Michael Bussing. I want to thank Tate Krupa for designing and creating our logo. Thank you to Shane Yoder, who created all of our music, including the brand new theme song that you just heard at the intro today, that none of you guys have heard yet. I want to thank our transcription team, Sarah Hoyt, Sarah Mueller, and Desiree Dunn. And I want to thank... Hang on, everybody! We're closing the show! And I want to thank all of you listeners for all of your engagement and support. You can like our Facebook page or follow us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. I'm Bob Ruff. And I'm Mike Bustin. And this has been Truth and Justice. Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it product availability just one part that makes o'reilly stand apart the professional parts people oh 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 o'reilly